0: Project for Welcome everybody. Uh, this is episode seven with the always enigmatic and charismatic Eddie Soto. Um, uh, hey, thanks for coming on board, Eddie. Uh, Anytime. Quick, quick mention of uh our host network, which is animals at home. Thanks, Dylan. You're you're the you're the king, you're the goat, you're the dude. Um and then also we have to mention our uh we have a sponsor, uh is custom reptile habitats, right? Roy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have a uh, an affiliate link in the show description and in the show notes. And if you go to Custom Reptile Habitats and you buy anything from them through that affiliate link, we get a little kickback. So that would be epic if anybody wants to do that. Um, but I just want to go ahead and and uh, and uh, hop right in. And because Eddie uh, is an excellent, excellent herper, killer dude, good buddy. Um, so for the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is... Um, for folks or listeners who might not know or might not be familiar with you or might not be aware of of what you're up to, can you share a little bit about the uh, breadth of experience and species and, and, uh, things that you're working on, uh, sort of a broad overview of what you do and how you've been doing it.
1: Yeah. So I've been an animal guy or a reptile guy since I was a kid. Um, it all started with, you know, Godzilla. (laughs) Uh, so I was never into dinosaurs. I hate dinosaurs actually. Um, just because the only reason I hate dinosaurs is because they were it's around higher. way before us. We have no idea what the fuck they look like. So I don't like that. We say this is what they look like. So it really bothers me. I don't want to have a toy of a dinosaur when it probably doesn't look like that at all. Uh, Godzilla's not real. He can look however the fuck I want him to look
0: like. This podcast have, is over. Yeah. It's over, dude. I, I can't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to edit all this out. Charlie. I, Charlie, about this? <laughs> I think
1: dinosaurs <laughs> had a lot more feather. I, 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 I don't know. We, that's a whole other tangent. But uh, anyway, uh, so as far as breeding, I've been breeding since officially since 2007, but I've been keeping since I was 10 years old. Okay. I'm 35 now, I think. 35 or 6? No, I'm 35. Um, so yeah, and um, my whole thing now is I breed a lot of the, I guess what people would say, like the rarer species. Um, I do also breed a lot of the common stuff at pet trade. I do a lot of, uh, expos, a lot of shows. So, uh, the common stuff actually pays a lot of the bills. Whereas the rare stuff is for my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, uh, there's a huge market for that as well. Yeah. But yeah, my whole thing is, um, I like the rare stuff and it's funny cause I'll post, you know, people will see a rare, uh, a commonly imported animal and it's no big deal for them. But the moment you post a picture of it breeding or it actually hatching in captivity people flip their minds out which and i like so yeah that's interesting that probably didn't answer any question at all but there you go
0: no no <laughs> no that's perfect so wait so give me an example so like give me an example of something that's commonly imported that you hatched and and posted a picture and people were bugging bugging out about it
1: okay so for instance like the conehead lizard yeah um People would see pictures of those being imported. I get messages all the time of people like, "Oh, those were seven bucks. They, you got them. They died." Um, but the moment I, you know, post a picture of them breeding and and laying and hatching and all of this, then people are like, "What the hell? This is crazy." Yeah. Um, same thing with Eric Haycraft with, with yeah. the um, uh, what is it? The Chrysatis. You yeah. know, those are uh, those are an animal that are imported by the hundreds, and they're, they're as far as the price tag, they're not that valuable, but if you produce one in captivity, it's like oh cool wow holy crap like that's amazing. Another you know well, another example.
0: Why do you think that is? What do you, what do you think makes people? So people just think
1: it's like a they think it's renewable. They they don't worry about it. So like oh why would we breed this when it's going to come into the country forever when that's mm-hmm. not the case? Um, you I haven't seen. I mean it's happened, but wild caught serrated. Coneheads haven't come to the country in a while, especially in droves. That hasn't happened forever. Okay. If you do get them, there are maybe less than a dozen or so. Um, but certain species, you never know what's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. You know, sure. Russian tortoises. You never know. Russian tortoises are almost worthless as far as like the pet trade goes. But what's going to happen in twenty years when they're no longer around? They're going to fetch mm-hmm. a huge price tag,
0: captive mm-hmm. bred. Right. So right, that's a good point. Um, so of, uh, among that scope of things that you mess with, um, are there any projects in your facility that you're especially excited about stuff that just really like you're jazzed up about it or some stuff that maybe people wouldn't know that you're messing with.
1: So right now I'm, I'm tinkering with a lot of like cooler temperature animals. Um, so like the angle headed lizard, uh Oh, what's, what's the, what's the scientific name? One. Gonocephalus grandis. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the other one is the the regular great anglehead head lizard. Um, so, and I'm actually doing a lot of this stuff outside here in Florida and it's, it's working. I've gotten eggs. Um, the, the downside is a lot of this stuff takes forever to incubate. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: I'm like a hundred days now in some of these, these eggs. Uh, and again, these are all animals that were like inexpensive for 40 bucks a piece. Yeah, you know, and and I post pictures of them laying eggs, and people are. I get tons of messages in my inbox, like, "Oh, I want a baby! I want a baby!" It's amazing.
0: Interesting. Do you think that's that's like because people maybe assume that with the the import, like, it's going to be too much effort, it's going to be too difficult, it's going to be too challenging, and then with something captive bred maybe they'll have an easier time with it or, or, or oh, yeah, think- absolutely
1: there, there's for them, oh, yeah, there's no it. point of, of even trying to interact with it as far as breeding.
0: Yeah. It's always
1: around. And, and as far as like a breeder, like trying to make a living off those type of animals, which I don't, those yeah. are for my enjoyment of uh, those projects because the amount that I put into it, someone can buy one wild caught for 40 bucks a piece, you know, yeah. and I'm not charging 40 bucks a piece for something like that on, I'm either keeping it or selling it at a high price site. And I've already gotten a bunch of people asking me to sell these animals to them.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's, that's a really, that's pretty good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would prefer that people also get psyched on an import, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, at least to make sure that the uh, animal isn't mistreated or something like that. But at the same time, it's kind of cool that, that there's a, there is a certain level of psych for, something that is relatively common that is or or maybe not common common's not the right word but like let's say com- uh, f- somewhat frequently imported or 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 doesn't fetch a high price or whatever you want to however you want to say that i think it's cool that there are people who get super psyched and and want to want to tackle or get in on a project that's common or or what have you right? yeah i think
2: yeah i think that that's just kind of what it takes to get a lot of those species actually established you know is, is somebody actually taking the time you know and and um ultimately in a lot of cases taking the losses mm-hmm. to figure them out you know i think that yeah. that's like no. that's something that a lot of people have reflected back to me about the Polycris is just that, like no one's really been able to get those to go you know and and um I failed with them. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, the imports are just, they're really, they're, they will do well for a while. And then a lot of people will say that they just crash. And for whatever reason, I got lucky with mine and they, they didn't do that. They didn't crash. And, um, you know, it's, it's, but that's like, we need 10 more people now, at least <laughs> to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, And, and figure them out. Otherwise, because that's what it we takes, need 10 yeah, more, 10 more Roy's. Get them established, you know. I mean, but that's like so cool. It's the same thing with all these amazing Asian agamids, you know, that you're talking about, like the, the gonocephalus and the acanthosaurus and all these amazing dragon like lizards that are, yeah, that people just take for granted They're but, but also at the same time you look at them and they're incredible to look at beautiful yeah. lizards, oh, yeah. but everyone's terrified of them because everyone's just heard the horror stories. Right. It just takes one person to actually do the work, figure them out, get some babies going and yeah, and you touch on a good point. I mean, you,
1: there is a lot of loss when you're getting all these wild caught animals. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of loss. Uh, in order to get a good project going, you need a minimum of ten animals of the same species to really have mm-hmm. an actual project or a, an actual, you know, situation where you're going to produce a bunch. Because you have to expect loss. You also have to yeah. hope that you get you know mixed sexes. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you only get a pair or
2: something, you're pretty much screwed already. Yeah, totally.
0: You know, Eric echoed that uh when uh, on the show we did with him. He he mentioned a couple times needing, you know, a substantial number of animals to, to just to set up the beginning of any any project at all. And yeah. uh, this is something that I feel like it's been kind of like a recurring theme, at least in my day to day over the last several months. Is is like talking with various herpers about the challenges of setting up a project, you know, because pe- people will buy a pair or even a single animal and say, all right, this is the start of my project. And it's like, okay, you're like one, you know, it, it, you're like one tenth, one twentieth of, of the way there. But um as soon as you start expanding the scope of that project, you know, I feel like when somebody says oh I got a new, I got a new project, they're they're gonna try it out for six months to a year, see if it works. And then if they don't get eggs right away, they scrap the, the project, right? and and then maybe you get the rare few who take it a step further maybe they breed something once and then they decide all right well this wasn't really as interesting as i thought it was scrap the project and and okay like fair enough i i i i understand that you know i've done it not a number of times myself sometimes a an animal just doesn't hit you or, or, or whatever you're working on doesn't strike you the way it should. And it's like, all right, maybe they don't fit in here. Maybe they don't, you know, whatever it may be. And you need to be able to make the decision to move on responsibly. So, but, but then you get the few, the other folks who say, all right, I, I'm going to take this to the next level. And it's a, it's an even smaller number of people who breed those animals more than once, yet smaller pool of people who breed second generation. Of those animals, and an even smaller pool of people who take it past more than one generation of breeding. um And do you, you know? So uh, maybe this isn't like a specific question, but uh, you know, could maybe if you could ruminate on or just sort of elaborate on some of the stuff that you think about in terms of, you know, h- how do you evaluate a project's viability for you? How do you evaluate whether or not the project is engaging enough for you to? To, to stick with it and see it out what what are some considerations that you have for a project that you want to take into the long term right because these are complicated questions and I, i'm not sure everybody yeah. thinks about them that often
1: so for, for first off i it has to appeal to me i have to visually look at it and enjoy it second am i able to actually care for this animal uh, do i have the means to do it so, for instance, if it's like a super desert animal, that answer is obviously no right away. But um, <laughs> no euros. A lot of this been, no euros. I have no euros. Uh, <laughs> although my reptile building is a very dry building, so
3: soon, soon enough, <laughs> soon <another> two. Up. <laughs> um,
1: so for like a lot a of that Asian, I yeah, I heard he's a good guy, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so for a lot of that Asian agama stuff, um, they're they're beautiful. They have crazy colors. A lot of them are most of them, if not all of them, are mostly uh, sexual dimorphic. So, like the females can be somewhat plain, and then the males are like these extravagant colors. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside is a lot of them are cooler animals, so I have to figure that out. Um, uh, and then you know, I don't for me, I don't really care if there's going to be a market, I just want to see them here because once they're gone, I don't know when they're going to come back. So, I just want to enjoy them for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. The second thing that I think about, or the last thing I think about, is do people want to buy these? That's the last thing I think about. I just want to get them established in my own collection and I want to enjoy them for myself. Yeah. Um, the latter comes years later when there actually are people harassing you for, for babies. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: like, for instance, like the Coneheads, uh, Leomactus Serratus, I started off with a trio, just a trio. And I didn't even know they were a trio. I didn't know how to sex at the, at the time. I I saw them in books. I'd seen them in person maybe one time. Um, I had the opportunity to, to get them and they were super well caught. They look terrible. It's That's... a skinny animal. It's a, it's a skinny animal regardless, but when it's going through that import process mm-hmm. and then coming in, it, you do all that and it's even worse. Yeah, It's like a little nasty, little skinny Ethiopian kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aww. You might have to at that, <laughs> ah. but it's extremely de- dehydrated and you know, you never know if it's going to live. So, Luckily, I was breeding in golden pythons at the time, and um, the person that I ha- and I didn't want to spend the money on this emaciated trio, so I, I did the trade. I got them, and luckily, they were doing well. They started eating, and the, here's the cool thing about a lot of these animals that I work with: there's no captive information on them, zero. Um, so you're literally finding the place where they come from. They're going on your phone. You're looking at the temperatures, you're looking at the times of years and the temperatures of all this, and you're trying to dial it in, plug it in. Cool. There was a media, f- there was, and I'm not saying I did it first, because I definitely did not. Uh, there was other breeders way before me. Um, they just eventually all got out of them, and then they just kind of disappeared for a little bit. And the only actual person who, who wrote to me, who actually answered me, was Frank Payne. He was the first person to actually respond to me. This was 2015, 16. I have no idea. Um he was the only one who was like, okay, that's a male. Those are females. And I was like, okay, cool. To me, they all look the same. They looked all the same. So with that species, the males, small females are big. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you can see some bulges and all that. Um, then I got lucky that they actually bred. So, okay, cool. I really didn't think of project at the moment. I was like, okay, cool. That's more for me. Because I didn't think I'd get more. And then... The second year, I got more. And I was like, okay, this wasn't a fluke. And not only did I get more, but she laid several, cl- or both females laid some multiple clutches for me that year. And then I started getting people messaging me. And then I was like, okay, maybe I have something here. And then also, I had other people who bought wild-caught babies from years ago. From, I, I'm assuming from the same import that I got. Um, and they're like, hey, I have this lone male or lone female or whatever. And then they offered it to me, and I actually ended up building a decent-sized collection multiple bloodlines um so
0: i just like i said i got lucky in that aspect do so um like what are some things then that will will make you say all right i'm 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 cutting ties here like this you know this project or this particular group of animals you know isn't working out um what what are, what are some of the things that might cause you to make that choice and move on from something
1: i'll give you another example um there's a certain species the lizard that our buddy here breeds, Mr. Roy, um, that I cut ties with, and I won't, I won't get again unless I buy them from him. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I had that species. The, this is we're talking about the monkey lizards. Um, I had them for maybe six months, less than a year, a decent amount, honestly. They actually came in pretty well. They, they were eating off the bat. Um, I had them indoors, outdoors. They all did really well, but then they all just dropped on me. And um, everything I read, people were going through the same thing. I I spoke to Roy on the phone Uh, that was happening, not to Mm -hmm. him in particular, but that was what was going around a a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I said, screw it. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the right way. This species is way more delicate than most species that I'm working with currently. Mm -hmm. Let someone else breed it as far as creating like F1s, F2s, all that jazz. And then I'll spend more money purchasing those animals for myself, not Mm a $40 wild caught lizard from, you know wherever i got them from
0: (laughs) for sure so so then there seems to be some element of like almost like wild west involved in or like pioneering in some regard where if Mm -hmm. there's an animal that comes in and there's nobody's written a care guide on them there's not some cover on them and cover story about them in reptiles magazine there's not some you know you can't find a book you can't there's nobody on youtube talking about them and you have to go find and hunt down all that information um, that sounds exciting. I mean, it, it was obviously pretty high risk, uh, which would be, you know, which would, uh, suggest, uh, that you, why you need to have so many animals of a given project to yeah. ensure that, they, that that can mm-hmm. go on forever. But, um, uh, so it's a two part question in this case. Uh, the first is you, you mentioned that some of these species are, are, re- require some cooler temperatures. So are, are you having to, what are you doing to accommodate that? requirement. And then the second part is w- w- other than what, what are, what are some of the the investigative tools you're using to get to the bottom of, of how to set them up? What are, what are some of the ways you're problem solving to find that out?
1: Okay. So a lot of those cooler speeds, obviously I live in central Florida, so tot <laughs> yeah. um, direct sunlight pretty much everywhere, but behind my building, there's no sun, um, just a lot of cover. So all those cages are, on that side of the building where there's no, I mean, there is sun, it's very filtered. Mm -hmm. So I have all these, um, giant reptile type cages and it's, um, filled with plants. So it's not only is it filtered from the outside, but it's filtered from the inside. So if you take a temp gun, it's always going to be 20 degrees cooler in that cage. than it is, uh, wherever there's direct sunlight. Now there are places for them to bask and they actually do use it. Actually, every single species will bask in the morning in direct sunlight. After that, Mm -hmm. they're, they're hitting completely.
3: Mm.
1: Also those type of species, um, all of them are extremely like um they get dehydrated very quickly. So mm-hmm. on every top, on all the tops of every section of where I keep my animals, um, there's soaker hoses on every section of cages that I have. So all I gotta do is just turn on a hose and I just let it rain for like an hour or two. Just yeah. heavy rain, nonstop rain, especially when they're like first brought into the country. I mean, these things are just oh, yeah. doused in water. Um so far, I'm doing good. I haven't lost, I've lost a few animals, but that was like literally the first few days. Um, but so far, every species I've gotten eggs from, um,
3: wow. that's excellent, and, and that you know, awesome. with very
1: minimal loss, extreme minimal. The, the downside is every species I have is like a hundred plus incubation, so I'm not used to that. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, and it's
1: all, time. it's all, uh, it's all room temperature, so you have to think like breeding gecko echoes, like that type of temperature. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the thing is, the other part of the question is how do I set that up or how do I learn from that? I literally go on Google, I'm typing up the species. There's really no information. I think the, the website's called like the red list and it tells you like, um, it, it basically gives you like coordinates of, you know, where they're from, the, the city, temperature, all of that stuff. And then I just go from there. And then if I can find anything as far as breeding, then I really go into a deep dive of who did it. How can I contact them? What information can I get for myself? What are they doing differently? Um, but a lot of that stuff, like you said, at the Wild Wild West, it's exciting because you kind of figure it out for yourself. As long as you're not putting harm to that animal, you know, you want to do it to the best. Of it. So far, everything's doing well. They're all eating, so I'm not harming anything. But um, if someone can tell me more about a lot of the species, I'd love to hear it. Now, here's the cool thing: I found a lot of these. So every species I have of these um, agamas, there's someone who has bred them. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking their brains all the time. A lot of them are very, you know, they're very secretive. So they don't want to talk too much, but they're
3: talking to me. So
1: um, <laughs> a lot, and every, every single one of them was like, don't put them outside. Don't put them outside. I, every species is outside and we're doing phenomenal right now.
3: Nice. So we'll see.
2: We'll see. I think that that hydration piece that you're talking about is so critical with those guys from like everyone I know who has had any modicum of success with those wizards. It's, it's just been like... <sighs> wet you gotta keep them like you gotta give them water all the time and that like that just stresses me out thinking about that keep especially (laughs) keeping indoors trying to (laughs) trying to cycle that much water um, i don't do
1: any uh i don't do any misting systems i don't do anything automatic i do everything by hand and um, if you if you listen to like old uh podcasts with ron ron st pierre he's talking about this where the reason why he doesn't do that is so that way he can literally interact with every single cage and yeah. he can see what's going on because yeah you can you can learn a lot just by just staring at an animal you might yeah. you know, be creepy for the animal but just watching what they do in those habitats you're learning from them yeah so i Easy. sit there and i missed every single animal and i'm watching and when i have the, the sober hoses on everything i'm outside watching everything yeah. um, and it's funny because they know when i do it too so now they've been around a long time in my yard now so they know the whole deal they know when i'm going to do it Cause I have multiple circle hoses. So when they see me disconnect and they, they know where the best spot is to lap up water. It's just really interesting.
3: Love that, I'd man. love to get
1: it. I would love to record it, but the moment I put anything near them, they, they, they bolt. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So like there's certain, so like, I have to like hide it. And then if I hide my phone, then the sun hits it too much or something, it warms up too much at, ah, you know, it takes forever, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I make sure that I have a good source. I can watch every animal while they're getting hydrated Again, if I have if I get too lazy with a automatic mister, I get too lazy and I oh it's on it's th- three o'clock okay it's it's probably on uh, I don't have to look yeah next thing you know it, and I'm not saying this is happening because I've never had an automatic mister ever but you know people who rely too much on it maybe they never check and oh this animal's been dead for a while or whatever I don't know yeah. I personally whether it's whether it's a little hand sprayer or you know, the heavy duty one or my soaker hoses or my the hose with the little nozzle, you know, I do that all myself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I, I feel like, um, there's definitely a group of, there is a, a kind of a dividing line between a, a one t- or two types of, of herpers is like, there's the folks who heavily automate and are extra meticulous and have, you know, programmed timers and everything. And that's awesome. Like I, in fact, in some way, I'm a little bit jealous of folks who have the sort of the, the cognitive patience and wherewithal, wherewithal for that because it it just doesn't suit my my stylistic tendencies and my preferences. So in the same yep. way, Eddie, like I, I'm much more, I want to do everything. In, in fact, I, like I have t- timers. Yeah, I use a few timers, but for the most part, I even go through. I'll even switch off lights by hand. You know, just kind of mm-hmm. manually half the time because I just I like. I don't know. I really I just like kind of being involved in that process. I like being able to change it and having fluctuations and not having it be yeah. exact every day. Can there's there's like a, a nice balance between routine and consistency and and um impulsive sporadicness, you know? I kind of both of those things I, I find quite quite yeah. fun. Um yeah, related to that. Yeah. What so what about food? Uh so if you're if if again, if it's a wild west type thing and there's you know, not a ton of information, you know, I know Eric was talking about it in his episode, um, kind of discovering accidentally that some of his stuff was going nuts for crayfish and just, just absolutely bonkers for crayfish. And that seems not just fun and exciting and rewarding, but also terrifying to a certain extent, you know, like I could imagine, yeah. you know, being the first guy who figured out that a firefly will kill a bearded dragon, like, well, shit, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> like, damn it you know so how do you how do you approach that is is there any any method to that part of it so unfortunately not really okay um it's whatever
1: i have available which unfortunately is going to be the standard cricket or the discoid roach um but grasshoppers seem to be the crack for a lot of this wild caught stuff Mm -hmm. that really gets a lot of stuff going um and, and see what other people are doing. What what are other people offering their animals? Like, for instance, you saw the video I posted today of uh, me feeding the cherry to mm-hmm. the anoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For years, I heard Ron talk about anoles eat cherries. I thought he, I didn't believe him. I, didn't, I thought he was crazy. <laughs> um, but these things go crazy for cherries. They go crazy for fruit. I would have never known that, uh, you know, until I visually saw it when I was there. Yeah, um, he'll feed them a full banana, and they'll, they'll destroy it. They'll attack it. So wild, um, so, uh, but uh, it's it's all about again researching where they're from, what animals are there, and what animals am I able to offer that that will kind of fill in that gap. And um, for certain species, a lot of people, you know, cricket crickets aren't the thing that a lot of these animals will eat. Crickets are a nocturnal animal. Most of the stuff I work with and what most people work with, as far as lizards go. They're diurnal they're not nocturnal they're not eating crickets they're eating caterpillars they're eating uh, grasshoppers they're eating everything but crickets
3: yeah another
1: because list- when the animals when the animals are sleeping the crickets are awake running around yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. that's a lot of that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize
0: yeah that's a good point that's a, um Roy so i I feel like i'm gonna I feel like I've just been bulldozing. Past you with questions uh i want to make sure no this is great lots of time you know
2: (laughs) no it's good it's good i um i mean there's a million things i could i could ask one thing i'm actually curious though about is um so i kind of think of you as like a like one of the dons in the lizard mafia you know and (laughs) (laughs) but um but i don't know about that um, (laughs) but um uh, is it, I mean, I, I know you're pretty, pretty heavily focused on lizards, but I know you also have some tortoises that you really love. And, yeah. um, um, I know you've kept snakes in the past, but are you working with any snakes right now? Or is it like mostly lizards that you're focused on?
1: It's pretty much as far as breeding, what pays my bills. It's primarily the lizard stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I actually started as far as breeding animals I actually started with snakes. Uh, first animal I ever bred were snakes. Um, I bred snakes from 2007 until 2011 or 12, Um, various species, obviously the ball python. uh, But I also did um, a lot of the dwarf species of like the children's pythons, spotted pythons. Mm -hmm. I did some colubrids. Um, The Angolan python was my favorite. If I could have just one species of snake to work with, it would be the Angolan python. I love that species. Um, So the fact that I I bred them, I'm, I'm content that I did it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a rare animal by any means. I mean, kind of, I guess, but um, as far as snakes go, they just, they are not my jam anymore. Uh, I love them. I respect them. I love that market. But as far as what works for me, it's the lizards. I need to see interaction. I need to, you know, it, honestly, it would be way easier for snakes, like with me with snakes, because like, for instance, I went to the expo Daytona expo that was gone for mm-hmm. four days lizards aren't like snakes where you could just say peace out i'll see you later yeah, uh, yeah. lizards need almost daily food so that was mm-hmm. flipping me out um but yeah i know it's primarily the lizards i do breed a lot of redfoot tortoises i mean that kind of pays some bills but that's for my own enjoyment at the end of the day if i could have just the one animal it'd always be my Aldabra. that's my baby i mm-hmm. love tortoises uh, i kept them bred like the chinese fox turtle um i just actually recently uh, sold that group but that was a, a species i loved yeah. uh, pretty much every reptile i love so there's yeah. a lot of stuff i have here that obviously i'm not gonna breed my aldabra i'll be 60 years old uh, by <laughs> the time that thing's even mature but you know <laughs> that's my baby in fact it's the only one that has a name everything else is just wizard one
3: wizard two wizard <laughs> Yeah, but um it's
1: unless it has like some weird defect uh, it nothing has a name here um, but yeah, yeah i i kind of have um i pretty much bred you know snake lizard tortoise i've done all that
2: it's interesting to me because i feel like that that kind of progression that you're describing of kind of starting with snakes and then migrating toward lizards is something that i've observed a lot in in yeah. herpetoculture. and i i think that i i've done that to some degree i mean i've i've always been i've always kind of had a little bit of everything um i really like the diversity thing but more and more it seems like lizards are really what what I seem to be moving toward and like most of like the future projects that I consider, like there's a couple select snakes that I would love to work with someday, but it's mostly like, I'm thinking about lizards. And, um, so yeah, I'm curious, like whats what it is about that. I mean, you spoke to like that the lizards are like more interactive and I think that that's a lot of it yeah. th- about that for me too, but I'm curious if, if that's something you have also observed. And the other thing I, I'm curious about is just, I want to hear more about this Aldabra cause I know it's like your baby. It's like your kid. Yeah. And um, it's an amazing animal. So I just want to hear, share a little bit about that guy.
1: All right. So as far as the lizards, so, so again, snakes are great. I'm not putting anything away from snakes. I, I love them. Yeah. Um, but a snake is a snake. It couldn't care less about you. Um, it it just, just wants its food. It wants its shelter. It wants water. That's the end. Um, but the lizards, even if they're terrified of you from the get-go, most of them realize that you're not a threat your food source no lizard loves you so um
2: so let's get that out of there you've never um, met
0: workshop i said
2: workshop <laughs> <laughs> really loves you know, Phil's toes
0: yeah he does nice
2: heard <laughs> <laughs> but you
1: know like even the most wild caught animal eventually learns your routine or the routine mm-hmm. that goes on as long as you have a routine so like for instance um uh I just got, um, I breed Australian water dragons as well. I just acquired an unrelated group to mine. Nice. and um, Awesome, yeah. Yeah, it's I have too many water dragons now. It's fine. But, um, you know, they no see me thing. with a cup to feed them and they go crazy. They see me, they're running to the thing and they're running back and forth. They're all excited like a dog. Um, and I enjoy that. Even some of the wild caught stuff, give it a year or so. And they know when I'm going to feed them. They get excited. I like mm-hmm. that. Where the snake just sits there. I mean, obviously, sometimes when you open their enclosure, they they know that it's feeding time, or they know that they're going to get food. I'm not saying they're not intelligent because they they are. It's just a different intelligence. Yeah. So I like that. As far as the Aldabra, um, my dream was to uh, always have a giant tortoise. Always. So for me, it was the, it was it was always the Galapagos tortoise. I always wanted a Galapagos tortoise. Until I interacted with a Galap and an Aldabra and the, um, the Galap is a little bit more easygoing. It it really doesn't interact with it too much. And again, that's, uh, there are some that do, but the Aldabra, once I actually interacted with an actual Aldabra, I was like, this is the animal I want. This is one day I'll have this giant animal in my yard. Um, So for years I would always, I I was always as a joke, and this is something I've, I've always wanted since I was a kid. I never thought it was possible. I didn't know you could actually own these animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another side tangent. I didn't even know there was an industry for reptiles. I had no idea there was a. Uh, I never I had no clue that I could be doing this as a living at all. I didn't know this existed. So it was just as insane of where I'm at right now. But um, so so the inside joke was for years I would tell my wife. She would say. What do you want for Christmas or what do you want for your birthday? Whenever that topic popped uh, up, I would, I would always say, I want an Aldabra. And it was always a joke. Ha ha, cool. And you know, I would never get an Aldabra. Um, it was just a joke because it's an expensive animal. So fast forward of years and years and 10 plus years of me saying, oh, I want an Aldabra. One day she says, all right, get your fucking Aldabra. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing you say this. Just get it. <laughs> um, so here's the catch, you know, she's not in the reptile world. She has no clue how to do any of that. So she's like, you find it, you find the person, then you send me that info. That's come on. Uh, we all know a guy who knows a guy. We all know somebody in whatever place that they work at. So obviously if I need your I'm going to fill or, you know, there's always, you know, who to go to for certain things. So as soon as she said that I knew who to contact immediately. So I contacted uh, Sam, Spagucci, Sam Spagucci. I'm probably saying his last name wrong. Um, huge Dabra guy here in Florida. Uh, contacted him right away, like not even an hour later. And um, for Christmas, I got my Aldebar.
0: That's
1: And a awesome. little, little thing was in the palm of my hand. This is 2018. It fit in the palm of my hand. It absolutely hated me. Um, it despised me until like last year. And now it actually... It, it broke my heart too because it's like, you know, you see all the videos of like the neck stretching out, people are scratching the, the neck, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, all of that. And um, all the things that I criticize other people with like other Dragons doing, I was like, I want this thing to love me. <laughs> um, and then last year, I think it was last year, one day just, I was scratching it and it just stuck its neck out, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> are we like best friends now? And um, I was like scratching the neck and it let me, and I pulled my phone out. Cause with, with, you know, with that type of tortoise, you got to do everything slowly If you do everything mm-hmm. suddenly. Then it, it shoves its head back in and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad mm-hmm. experience for that animal So you do everything slowly. And, and now um, if I come outside, it comes right out and it, uh-huh. it knows when it's going to get fed. If it sees me, especially me, if it sees anyone else, kind of is a little bit more leery, but if it sees me, it comes up to me now, it expects food. And if I'm lucky, I can you know scratch a snack. So, I love it. And, and so. one of the reasons, and the thing about Aldabras too, the cool thing about Aldabras, um, and Sam says this in an interview he's done before, where Galapagos tortoises are more like dogs. No, Galapagos tortoises are more like cats, and Aldabras are more like um, dogs. Oh. So uh, g- Galops are more anti-social. Mm-hmm. They really don't want to be with another Galap at all, where Aldabras are more social. They actually interact with each other. They actually enjoy the company of other Aldabras. Um, so when I first got my Aldabra, he was by himself, secluded by himself. So whenever I showed up, it was all scared. It, it always I, it couldn't eat around me. Like I had to put food down and then hide. And then through the window, I'm watching it and it's eating. But at the moment I would walk by, it would run away. Um, so I contacted Sam and I was like, hey man, this Aldabra just it just hates me. Like, this is a year later. It hates me. And uh, oh, what can I do? Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm, <laughs> my, my feelings are being hurt here. Um, so he was like, Hey, what other tortoises do you keep?" I was like, Hey, I have a giant herd of, of Redfoots. He's like, okay. He's like, the Redfoots love you. Like they, you know, not love you, but they, you know, they, they come to you when you feed them and all that. I said, yeah, they follow me everywhere. So he's like, put your, put, put your old dabber with your red foots. Um, as long as they're somewhat decent sizes to each other and then just let it happen. And honestly, it was like almost a night and day. The Aldabra follows the Redfoots and then the Redfoots follow me. So eventually the Aldabra learned that I was the food source. He wouldn't freak out when I showed up. Uh, It was all, it was all a food reward and all of this. And then the poor Aldabra, like he doesn't know that the Redfoots don't give a crap about him. So he'll try to like, go stick his head out and like put it against like the other with the redfoots and they're just like leave me alone I hate you and they would they they were not all about that. Um but over time of me going in there and interacting with the Redfoots and the Redfoots following me, the Al started to do that. So that helped out a lot. That's so, yeah, so, so that's, that's just cool. again that's that's my pet. His name is Jupiter. Um, Jupiter that's great a name. great his name name. Is Jupiter.
2: Yes. And
1: um, Love it. I, I spent I spent like three hours looking at a bunch of six month old Aldabras, picking out the one that I wanted. Yeah. Because um, when it comes to uh, tortoises, I'm all about like the high dome, I'm all about making it look like a perfect circle. Okay. And um, not all Aldabras are, you know, they're all, not all the same. So you get some more of the others that are some, you know, just like galops, you see them some are more like flatter shelled or mm-hmm. high dome shelled. Sure. Same thing with the Aldabras. So um, I sat there for like an hour. Or three hours now this poor man was just like waiting for me to pick out my fucking tortoise and i'm just sitting there looking at them and then i i put four together and just look at them and see what they do and, yeah yeah and the one the one that i picked would actually come up to me and it would eat food around me and then i bring it home and it hated me but um yeah so if you look at it now it's it's almost a it's almost a perfect shell uh um, yeah so jupiter jupiter largest planet in our solar system Got it. so it kind of kind of fits i love it and, yeah uh, it's perfect yeah Again, it's the uh, one of the few animals that has a name, and it's. Uh, if I had to pick one animal, like if I was done breeding animals and I had just one animal, it would be that one. That's and um, cool. again, I'm lucky to live in a property that's you know has the space to to provide his needs, so I don't have to worry about anything as far as what's going to happen when he's you know 500 plus pounds.
2: Uh, so whether you're um whether you're working with a tortoise or your significant uh, other
0: persistence pays off. I <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: just, just annoy them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's great. It, w- so we we just uh, had a conversation with Armin Kulian a few days ago and uh, he mentioned the same, he actually had a similar sentiment about his croc monitor. He said, uh, you know, if I had to, if I ever had to get out of all of this, if for whatever reason, this is I, I, the croc monitor. He's the one that I would re- would have a hard, the hardest time uh moving on from um yeah. it's funny it, it's so interesting how some some animals just they just capture you for you know for one reason or another like so personally my dream reptile that is just not really in the cards for me is a fiji iguana and mm-hmm. i don't care what kind but preferably the crested the fiji crested is my favorite Fiji bands banded is beautiful. I don't know. There's a lot of subdivisions in there. So, but I, I 100% and agree with you. And not, and not like I'd be picky. You know, like if somebody was like, "I yeah. got this Fiji but it's you know, <laughs> oh, be, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. You know, but uh, even even within the same species. So I recently got a bunch of um, th- there was some, uh, an, an import of ornates that came in not long ago, and um, I picked up a few animals. I have some some youngsters and some adults from that shipment, and I normally. Like I generally try to kind of take like a hard line and not bring in adult imports because they're the hardest ones to get acclimated and get going. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't really have much of a choice this time. So I got, you know, half of them were juveniles, half of them are adults and, and there's one, they're all awesome. Every one of them are great reptiles. I love each (coughs) Euro quite profoundly, but there's one in particular. She is just an absolute sweetheart, dude. She came Mm -hmm. in rail thin, just like rail thin and so jacked up and full of parasites and everything. So I got her medicated. I got her going and she, it took her a few days, but she got kicking and she got eating and it's only been like two, three months and she's already figured out food guy. And so she comes ripping over every time I walk by her pen because she knows I'm going to drop stuff and she's as friendly as can be. She's so relaxed. And she's such a sweet little, Oh my God. Like I, but right before the show, I was, I was holding her and taking her out. And I, it's not often that I, I take the time to pull one of the trillion ornates here and just, just hold it just because, you know, and she just really got me. I gotta, I gotta come up with a name for her, but, um, I got to get that Fiji, though. That's the one thing. And one, one of these days, I'll find a way. I don't care if I have to found a zoo to make it legitimate. I'm going to get a goddamn Fiji.
1: But, okay, okay. As
0: long as long yeah. you said legitimate, we're good. Yeah, yeah, legitimate. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, sure. Like, I'm not going to prison for a Fiji, but, I mean, maybe I would. I don't know. But, you can you can move to Canada. I could move yeah. to Canada, but
1: I, they, they, I... I believe they have the access to have the... Uh, they
0: do. They do. They do, yeah. Well, what I'm hoping is that maybe someday... For some reason, some law will change because it's like, well, everybody else has them. Fuck, well, fuck it. You can have some, but I, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a pipe dream. That's never gonna happen. There's
1: always there's always like um, loopholes. Like I, I got a story for you. So yeah, um, you I, keep, uh, I keep I keep the Cuban the um, Cuban rock iguana. Yeah. So I've always loved Cuban rocks never had him at one point. So a few years ago, um, again, everyone knows me as the reptile guy in my little community. That's not into reptiles. I'm the strange lizard reptile guy, all that stuff.
3: Same. So if there's any,
1: you know, I'm the guy who get, you know, I get, I'm sure you have people who send you pictures of lizards. Like what's this? And what's that?
3: Yeah.
1: Um, so I had some friends that worked at a pet store, like a pet smart. And um, this, he sent me a picture. He's like, Hey man, this guy has a picture of this lizard. He wants to know if you want it. And right away I'm like, no (laughs) he's like he's like it he thinks it's an iguana but it's really ugly and i'm like all right whatever send me a picture and it's a i'm looking at it and it's a Cyclura. it's a cuban rock iguana and i'm like what the hell and i and so i'm like okay what's this guy's phone number so i call the guy the thing is this man works for a shipping company
3: oh wow and he, at the
1: time, he was receiving these giant cargo shipments from Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Oh. And he's like, hey, this lizard was in this container for like three weeks and I have it. And he's like, it's really ugly. And it, was a little ba- it was a little baby. It was a little baby. He's like, this thing, is, this thing is ugly. And I'm like, all right. Um, and now I'm trying to play it like, okay, what does this guy want? And I was like, he's like, what do you got? He's a Southern guy, real Southern redneck guy. And I'm like, well, I got like 30 bucks. He's like, deal. Oh, dude. (laughs) So in my head, I'm like, is this happening? Like, what is happening right now? Is this FWC? Like, is this a sting operation? Like, what is happening? For sure. And um, sure as shit, I go to this man's house. He has a extremely angry, emaciated Cuban rock oh So um give him 30 bucks. You got the lizard. Um, exchange phone numbers because he told me that there's a lot of weird stuff that just comes in these shipments. Cause apparently where when they had the cargo wow. actually in Cuba, they leave the doors open or some, you know, a lot of things come in and out of those containers. So he'll tell me like a bunch of little lizards and all this would just be in there and they would unload it because they were um they were putting supplies and equipment inside them and they would just leave it open for days. Yeah. And, a period and it's warm obviously. So they would just find all these animals. A lot of t- most of the time they were dead, unfortunately, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, most sometimes they were alive Yeah. and he would just tell me they would just bolt and they would just run and they were gone forever. But uh, you know, every now and then he would actually be able to catch them. So four months later, he calls me again.
3: Oh, he's no. like,
1: he's like, we got another one. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, um, so we make up a plan. I go over there. He messages me right away. Like, Hey, it ran away. It's gone. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Fuck. All right. Three months later, he sent me a picture. They found it in one of those, like, um, those rat traps, oh, those little black, God. those little, those little black plastic yeah, rat yeah, traps, yeah. With, like the rat poison inside. It was inside it. The, the test guy of where the building is. He just opened it to refill it, and they he found the lizard. Whoa! And he's like, "This one's a little bit bigger." He's like, um, "He's like," uh, and I was like, "Oh, what do you want for this one?" He's like, "I don't know. What do you got?" And I'm like, "I just did groceries," and I was like, "I got a six pack of uh, Miller Lite." He's like, "Deal." <laughs> yeah, god um, damn it, dude! No, this is real. I'm not making this up. He's like, "Deal." So I go and I get it. First one was a male, second one was a female.
3: Bullshit, dude. Oh my God. Bullshit.
0: so No, I
1: got. I have pictures and everything.
0: God damn. So um, this is a fabrication. So
1: I, I give him the beer, which I really want it, but you know sacrifices. <laughs> uh, and um, I contact. I am contact. And at the time, I didn't know Ron Saint Pierre like the way I do now. This yeah. was again. This is 2015, maybe. So I was ta- i i knew him from the show so i would occasionally talk to him and he was like what the hell like that's amazing so i was like hey do you know the legalities of this he's like fuck no and i was like i um <laughs> i had these animals and i you know low-key i kind of want to show them off that i had them and this is such a cool story so um i actually got in contact with the fishing wildlife guy and um from what he told me, there was really no proof. There's no defined, d- definitive proof that this came from Cuba. It's all hearsay. Okay. So I was allowed to keep them. Um, wow. So they're actually with my buddy right now. He has them, and um, we're actually incubating eggs right now from from them.
2: That's so, so cool. Yeah.
0: Dude, uh, I love in so, rocks. So uh, I think we'll be. In- amazing. We'll be chatting. Uh, yeah, yeah, huh? yeah. That's it. Was such a
1: crazy. And, oh, and then he contacted me like a year after all of this, yeah. and he's like, "I have another one," and I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'll take all you got." And, and at the time, I told him, "I said, you hey, get. I don't care what lizard it is. I don't care how small it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what it looks like. Whatever you have, message me." And, um, so he messages me and he's like, Hey, I got this really one. Yeah. This really cool one. It's really pretty. It's amazing. He's like, I don't know. I think this one's worth a lot of money because now I'm like, okay, now he's going online and searching what he <laughs> yeah, has. Yeah. 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 He's like, this thing's amazing. He's like, this thing is so beautiful. It's probably worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, okay, fuck. what has he got? He sends me a picture. It's a regular grain of water. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, it was a beautiful animal, but you know, little does he know that's, you know, super common animal here. Yeah. yeah, and again, we're talking 2016, so they were still legal in Florida. And I was like, "No, man, I'm I'm okay. I have a lot of lizards now." And then um, he had since uh, quit from that job, but yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah, one story amazing. of a yeah, it's a crazy story, a crazy story.
0: That's All so crazy. I need is to find a guy who gets in shipments from Fiji, and then just wait and it'll, yeah, it'll, easy. it'll it'll happen i'll get i get now that
1: when i have a feeling that that might get
0: intercepted it might it might you, uh,
1: people find out you have that then that might be a little different situation
0: well i'll tell you what if i had a fiji if i ever got one i wouldn't show anybody i, I like i mean okay. i mean obviously but i mean it'd be hard not to but i'll tell you what <laughs> I, I i uh if it was a matter of like, if I ever had one, and it was like a secret or whatever, and if I, in order to keep it, I had to keep it secret or something, I would keep it totally secret. Cause oh yeah, yeah, yeah me too. I don't too. know what it was. Just for me, it was it was just for seeing a Fiji in some book when I was a little kid, just some some picture of, a, of an iguana, and I was just like good christ i don't know what that is but the, i want one of those uh, you know the emerald green amazing. you
1: got the emerald green background with the aqua blue stripes and, and yeah. thick stripings. It's something of and something I about
2: love the, that uh, thick
0: banding yeah and and something about the the face i i the, the proportions the angles of that face just something and specifically with the crested the crested the mm-hmm. fiji crested iguana i, I can't There's just something about them. I, you know, I can't quite put my finger on it. It just gets me. It hit me at the right time in the right place when I was the right age to be totally impressionable and not give a shit about anything else, you know, and everybody's got their thing. You know, I would have a Komodo or I would have a a spider-tailed Viper from an Iranian spider-tailed Viper or something. It's like, yeah, that's fine. You do you, you get whatever. Well, maybe don't get a Komodo, but, you know, I don't care what you're into, but for some reason, for me the Fiji just got me and I, I still can remember the picture. It was of one, it must've been of someone in Europe or Canada that had one <clears throat> captivity because it was some K ca- some captive enclosure and the, and the whoever was feeding it was hand feeding it a hibiscus flower. And I was like, what the fuck? I, yeah, I need that. Um,
3: yeah.
1: And it's, it's,
0: it's kind of dumb that we can't have
1: them because pretty much I think every country with the exception of the U S yeah you know can ha- yeah. can have them because i pretty i'm pretty sure i've seen them in you know most keepers hands yeah i don't know i don't know yeah. roy how are they in the uk <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice dude. Oh, dude. dude that's gonna be so that's gonna go forever like my mistake of thinking roy was in the uk is the gift keeps- <laughs> i i i love it man i love it, really it. and again is.
1: Again, like I told you earlier, had I not spoken to him on the phone like three months prior to you yeah. saying that, I would have been like, "Hell yeah, he's from UK, probably." Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're saying, okay, I favorite,
2: you say it okay? My favorite, thing about that uh, is like Eddie messages me before I before I listen to the podcast. He messages me. He's like, "Have you listened to the latest one yet?" And I was like, "Not yet. I'm going to." And he just replies with a a uni jack emoji, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like what does that mean? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I didn't you tell just him a And you like sent me yeah. the wrong emoji. Like what's this all about? No idea what was going on. And then after I listened to it, I'm like dying laughing. <laughs> like, and it's it funny because if you watch I get it sure now, that, okay.
1: I'm sure that video still out. Cause it was, it yeah. was a video podcast too.
2: Yeah, You just
1: see the look of confusion yeah. on my face. When Phil says that.
2: Uh, and I'm I like, I look that up.
1: And it, it's funny because <laughs> In that particular podcast, I was more quiet. So I'm just like, just listening to everybody. And then <laughs> Phil says what he says. And you just see my face like. The
0: fuck? Yeah, I remember that. No. You're like, no, I, was no, talking I spoke to him it.
2: like last week.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was talking to him and he sounded pretty American to me.
0: Yeah, God. <laughs> well, and I was like, well, and I remember, because I think I remember commenting on it. Like, I think seeing your look of quizzical face or whatever, I was like, am i i must be wrong he's not is he and i just knew just from the look. So you know you were like yeah he is i'm like
1: no nah, no nah, man he's he's not he's like you sure oh my
0: god yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean the thing is it was everything it was it was <laughs> it was the the level of keeping he was doing it was the time i was doing his logo it's, it's a compliment it's a compliment it is a super compliment yeah and he was
2: I'm, like, i was never offended
0: i feel like well yeah i know and i, I mean just Thankfully, but I'm just saying it was one of those things where, and and even like the time slot when you would get back to my messages, I feel like indicated to me because it was like overnight. So I was like, he must, yeah, yeah. he's got to be over, he has to be, you know. Nice. I, uh, God damn it, that's hilarious. That that uh... what was I even love
2: funnier it. though too is that you guys were then also talking about Trailer Park folks in that same yeah. one. And Ron's like, you better hope Roy didn't grow up in a trailer park. <laughs> and I did grow up in a trailer <laughs> park, <laughs> so it was like a double whammy. I was like, oh uh, my god, Phil's never. I'm never gonna let this go. I gotta, I gotta but I again, that's kind of like your happen.
1: that's kind of like your how we met story. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's perfect. I like it. Yeah, it's a real bromance. Now this now this happens. You'll
1: be uh, you'll be telling your future children.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. How did you How did you, how you how did meet Roy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's funny because it's cool because I know you both separately so Phil yeah. I knew you because we did the podcast together obviously i I followed you before that but I didn't actually know you until we did the podcast and I Roy I followed him for a couple of years before I actually started speaking to him and messaging him and we would message yeah. back and forth because we we did similar lizards yeah um totally. so um we chatted all the time and then you know I again I knew you guys separately so seeing this is actually pretty cool yeah
0: yeah but, it's such an intriguing way that it that we ended up kind of clicking too, because um, not just in terms of our our perspective on on a lot of you know concepts about herpetoculture broadly, but also just in terms of other random worldview stuff. Like Roy, he recently sent me a book that I'm absolutely obsessed with, and it's like we 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 really do click on a lot of levels in in terms of friendship, which is. Um, it's really awesome, but it also like it's the same thing with Eddie, you and, and Ron in Florida. I'm like, why the fuck is everybody in a different state? Like all the people who I want to be friends yeah, with are somewhere else, you know? And know, and look at, the Colorado reptile scene is great. It's I'm not upset about it. I have some good friends here, my friend Nick Dokai and my friend Ryan McKnight, and a handful of other people who are here in Colorado who are great people, but it's you know the expos. The, the camaraderie it's just not the same here for various reasons the, the, the yeah. it you know the types of people don't overlap the same way and and uh you know I guess which is what you know we, we've joked a couple of times in doing this show that even starting the podcast is almost just an effort for me to have more friends because it, like I'm a very extroverted social I I need a lot of interaction from people and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I've got lots of friends in jujitsu but in jujitsu i'm the the dude with reptiles so they're like you know he's like yeah. tiger king right ah you know and i'm like no not not quite but <laughs> and then yeah in in the art realm it's, he's that jujitsu guy he'll tie you in a pretzel i'm like mm-hmm. I'm really i'm just like a i'm just like a dude and i'm it's harder <laughs> to find those those overlaps where where people's worldviews and Mm -hmm. The ways we have fun and the way we talk about enjoying what we do and why we do it, it, it's harder to find those overlaps. And it sucks when you're like, you know, some of those people are like two and a half hours away by time zone, you know, and and four hours by flight or whatever. It's just like, yeah. um, And speaking of the UK, also just for the record, I know you can have Fijis in the UK because I had this conversation with another guy, another friend of mine. There you go.
3: There
1: you go, Roy. Get them.
0: Yeah, you can get (laughs) them. (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
1: there's still, or,
0: I, there's so many animals I would love to keep that we just can't maybe, you know, maybe I'll have to just move to some country with no, no um, uh, extradition uh, policies and and be able to just keep whatever the hell I want. I'd, l- I'd Let's do that. Like, you guys want to just move somewhere and form a compound and we'll all have. So uh, it's kind of, you know, what my sucks mind is, was gone?
3: Yeah.
1: So here's the thing that sucks. I love living in Florida. I love the warm climate. I, I hate the cold on the skin Like I'm a skinny chihuahua. I I don't like anything below 78 degrees. I shiver. I'm not meant for that world. Yeah, Not about that life. This is the perfect climate for what I do as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, the thing that sucks about it is like all the legislation that's going on yeah. it's the, and, and I'm never moving. Like I can never tell any, any family member, Hey, we're moving because I need to breed lizards. They tell me to go fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, it just sucks, man. Cause I, I love living here, but it's getting harder to live here, depending on like what species that you do. Mm. I can never tell my family we're moving because I need to breed, you know, a lizard. Yeah. And that'd be insane.
0: Yeah, we just got, um, so we have a, a governing body here in Colorado called PACFA that that uh, kind of regulates and inspects my facility every year and everything, which is fine. Happy to do that. That's um, not really a big deal to me, but they recently instituted something where they uh, are doing this continuing education thing and mm. all their licensees are required to attend some of these continuing education courses. Now, I, I don't know what it looks like. I haven't looked into the exact details of exactly what the courses look like and and how how much it's not gonna be that much time, you know, it's not like some semester you have to take at a community college or something, but my knee-jerk reaction to that was like, uh, you mean you mean you guys are gonna to come to my place and get educated. You know what I mean? Cause it's like yeah. just for the record, none of you have any idea how to do what I do. And the idea yeah. that you guys would. Give me the, here's the, here's how you're going to do it. It's like, well, no, no, I'm not. And I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it's harmless. I'm sure it's mostly about policies and getting, mm-hmm. helping educate their licensees about exactly how they want to see records kept and how they want to see, um, you know, uh, just, just I'm sure it's it's mostly about their policies and less about the individual animals and how you keep them and, and things like that. But it is still, quite infuriating it can be i can't even imagine what it's like dealing with what you guys have been dealing with in florida in terms of having some of those rights revoked and um, yeah i spent so um
1: intense. i've talked about this before but i spent like over 10 grand on um, green iguana mutations
3: yeah like two, oh, two yeah. years
1: before <laughs> two years before they decided to try to ban them <laughs> My
3: God. Yeah. so like
1: that's that's money gone there's a huge yeah. chunk of money gone yeah um and, and honestly, as soon as I found out like where, where that rule was going, I got rid of everything beforehand because I just saw the writing on the wall. I knew yeah. we mm-hmm. were not going to win. Not that I was being negative. I just knew we were not going to win this. Mm-hmm. So I sold everything before that passed. And then lo and behold, it passed. You yeah. can't have the green iguana. Mm-hmm. And, and it really sucks too, because I really wanted to breed that species. Obviously they're common species, um, but that was personally my first animal that i ever kept as a kid as a 10 year old kid so yeah. for me to breed it like captive breed that species was like a goal yeah so yeah that that kind of sucks but
0: yeah but, so uh we did roy and i actually talked a little bit about this on our launch show with dylan um we were talking about the way that legislation and that sort of thing affects all of us and and is something that all herpers need to kind of have on their radar and participate in and actively work against, but we also expressed some of our personal views. Like mine is that, like, look, if you want to keep something like a retic or a croc monitor or a black throw monitor or whatever, or a venomous, you should probably have some hoops to jump through, at least in my no, I yeah, my personal opinion. But I'm curious where. So, uh, where do you fall on on the topic of um why uh, on on like legislation and if we should and how it might be useful in in terms of institutionalizing that kind of change and stuff? what do you think
1: yeah no, I'm all for there being some sort of boundary mm-hmm. for certain species. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of species that people have that i just I shrug my shoulders at like why do you have this um, one example is this locata tortoise, yeah. Mm-hmm on facebook on florida in florida you don't have and not even reptile people but the amount of posts i see of people finding a random solcata just walking around yeah like i found this tortoise and it's like 50 plus pounds like it's daily and it's a different tortoise every time yeah mm-hmm. i wouldn't be that opposed if there is some legislation on that species mm-hmm. um I'm not saying you can't have them, but I just don't think everyone should have them, especially yeah. for 50 bucks a piece for a little baby.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, also like the large monitors. I do believe you should have the right to keep it. I do believe you have the right to keep any species.
4: Yeah.
1: However, I don't think that you could just get it. Just, you know what? Today's mm-hmm. the day I'm going to get a crop monitor. or Today's the day I'm going to get this species. I I do agree that there should be some sort of process. In yeah. How to get that species? Yeah, not everyone can supply them with, you know, as far as like the tortoises, an alabra or whatever. No one has, not everyone has the access to provide them with an acre plus plot of land, you know.
3: Yeah,
1: and um, or the croc monitor. Yeah, how many people can build what Ron built? Not yeah. too many people. Or what you are saying with Armin, uh, the the indoor enclosure that he built. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, how many people can do that? Yeah, not many people, so it's a slippery slope. You know, I don't want them to take away the right, I believe you have the right to do it, but there should be a process in order and in, in, in,
0: in an order that you can get them.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you can't, you Seems can't reasonable to me.
0: Sorry, Roy, I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. Go oh, ahead.
2: No, I just said that sounds reasonable to me.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like you can't go buy a horse and then just put it in your backyard. Yeah, yeah. like you've got to have, or like if you live in an apartment and you buy, you get a Great Dane or a Saint Bernard or something, or a, an Irish Wolfhound. People are going to knock on your door and be like, "Hey, buddy," you know, you know what I'm saying? And and it's like, yeah. you know, I don't know how to, because I I agree with that too, Eddie. I feel like there's, it really is like a fundamental right. Like I should be able to have a damn Fiji iguana, damn it! I because, <laughs> because I said so, you know. But I. And this is something I mentioned on the, on the, on the show with Dylan, but, uh, I want to reiterate here, but I also feel like so much of our, uh, argument as a community basically just sounds like don't tread on me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, I I get it. I'm all here for that argument, but it just feels really insufficient. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like enough. It's like, yeah. Yeah, don't tread on me, but here's why you shouldn't tread on me. And like unfortunately, there are so many examples of uh, obviously what you mentioned with the sulcatas. I mean, um several years ago someone sent me a photograph of a wild croc monitor a croc, a croc monitor running wild out in some desert somewhere. Yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you 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 the same thing is true of cats, right? Like I have cats. I have yeah. two cats and they never go the fuck outside unless they're on a leash and, and, you know, and it's, but nobody's talking about how irresponsible cat owners are. Maybe in Australia, they're talking about it. Cause maybe oh, yeah. Australia seems to have a a little bit. They're better. the
3: only,
1: they're the only ones doing it right.
0: Yeah. Right. Like, in current, I, have, I, have,
1: I have a story about, about a cat. Tell so me. We, we had this indoor cat for years. Yeah. It lived in the, it lived in this house. Well, not this house, but it lived in the house that we, at the time. For ten plus years, entire life, never went outdoors in his entire life. One day, we left the door open, or something happened where it was actually able to like escape. Yeah. And the very first day, day number one, not even an hour, I see this cat. And it's funny too because it was like a whole like surreal story. So my neighbor is painting his house, yeah. so he's outside, and I see my. I go outside because I can't find my cat. I see the cat's a black cat. So. I see him and he's like, like crouching. And I'm like, what the hell is this? What is he doing? So I'm looking at the cat. My neighbor's looking at me like I'm a weirdo. I'm looking at the cat like he's a weirdo. Then out of nowhere, the cat pounces and grabs a fucking uh, morning dove. Oh. Like by the neck, just grabs it. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Again, never, never has stepped on grass in its entire life. Never seen anything other than a dog. You know, that was the other animal that's seen him. The first thing he did was grab its neck, catch it, first go. Overweight cat, probably ate too much, caught this damn thing. And I'm like, what the hell? So I'm like shaking the the, the bird out of its mouth. The bird like finally lets go or the cat lets go. The bird flies away through the lake. It passes the lake. Apparently there was a hawk watching this whole thing go down on my neighbor's roof a hawk makes a beeline catches the bird and it just flies away my neighbor looks at me and goes no one's going to believe you
3: <laughs> as, as, I'm,
1: as i'm holding the cat my neighbor he says that to me and i'm like son of a bitch he's, he's right right that goes to show but but that goes to show you that that cat was spoiled its entire life yeah indoors for 10 plus years and the first moment it stepped outside it was able to almost kill yeah. a, a wild animal, right? So, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that story, but I—that's a
0: great. It just story. reminded
1: me of that story. Great story, yeah. Damn, uh, that's
0: great. Yeah, I mean, and and I always—it's one of those things where people—I've had other people ask me, "It's like, well, why? You know, why do you why do you got to keep that, or why do you want to keep that?" It's like, well, why do you want to keep a dog or a cat? Yeah. Or, a horse or a parrot or a guinea pig or a gerbil or any other a fucking beta. You know what I mean? Like why? Oh wow, that's different. I'm like, it's not different, you fuck. It's exactly the same. There is absolutely no difference, you know? And um yeah I don't know. I'm 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 still kind of trying to formulate in my own head like what what a good uh like what it would look like. Like how one or how a how any institution would Regulate or or what have you, something like a, a croc monitor or a, a retic or a berm or any of the large and semi you know dangerous species that we're talking about. It's like because I also you know I understand I don't want a tiger you know when are we going to have when are we going to find out that a tiger escaped or not well that's a bad example because that's already happened right but like when are we going to mm-hmm. find out that some retic or whatever escaped or a venomous escaped their 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 facility and killed somebody or you know like we mm-hmm. we used to I've told this story actually back on the podcast Eddie you, that we did with Ron and Paul um there was a reptile shop here in Colorado that used to let a massive massive black throat monitor roam the store like
3: mm-hmm.
0: okay this black throat monitor happened to be chill really cool but i remember watching a little kid with a diaper on, walk up to the lizard and pet it and walk away. Nobody saw nobody, no one, the parents, the, the people running the store, nobody paid the fuck attention. And I'm like, dude, that's your kid's dead. Your kid's fucking dead. If that thing decides to just change its mind for five seconds, not even if an iguana, like a green iguana, an Egyptian okay. Euromastics, dude, they change their mind. Your kid's in the hospital, you know? and And, The same is true of a dog or a cat, you know, we hear all the time about dogs attacking kids or a cat attacking a kid. Mm -hmm. There's that funny video of that dude getting psyched opening his presents on Christmas and the cat latches on. I love that video. (laughs) Hilarious dude. And it, it it (laughs) almost looked planned. Yes, I know. I know dude. Cause he was freaking (laughs) out and the cat was so pissed and I was (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh God, I love that. But anyway, I digress, but it, it, it's, it's challenging when we see that stuff and it's like uh I feel like sometimes we're the, the only option we have to combat that is just to share more cool. I mean, I, I don't, but I also don't want to share pictures of like, I, I don't feel comfortable with somebody sharing pictures of them cuddling with their lizard either, or like wrapping it up in a blanket mm-hmm. going to bed and having a bearded mm-hmm. dragon nap with them right here. I'm like,
3: I'm
1: yeah. not into
0: that either. You know, I I don't know. No, it's I, yeah, no,
1: I, I, I get, hundreds of pictures of people sending me those pictures, like those type of pictures of animals that I've sold them. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. Mm. (laughs) You love it. Great. You love it. You know, you know, the animal, the animal, the animal is well cared for. So that's all I care about. But, Oh man, I'm uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that with all my
0: lizards or any of my lizards. I got one, 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 I'm sorry, Roy, but I got one more quick story kind of on this topic before we, before we move on to more, a couple of some more questions. Um, so, I sold to, uh, two Euromastics to a customer years ago, and she was um, Asian. And I don't remember, I don't know where she was from, but she didn't speak English very well. And um, she, at one point, sends me a, a, a question saying, Hey, um, you know, do you know if bath beads are dangerous for Euromastics? Basically, and I'm like, What? And she was like, Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been bathing my Euros every day since i got them from you and this i just noticed that the stuff i've been using has bath beads in it and i'm like you what 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 (laughs) what why in what universe would you do this and why and the crazy shit the craziest thing is she sent me pictures of the the animal dude one of the nicest ornates I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> like so beautiful. Spick and span. The cleanest thing was getting lotioned every day. Like beautiful, beautiful ornate look better than half of the ones here. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here.
2: Right. You've been doing but it all wrong. Phil. So.
0: I've been doing it yeah. all wrong. Bath beat. Put it in
1: your, put it in your next care sheet.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Use your, <laughs> here first. Yeah. I'm going to put it your in your next, uh, your next <laughs> YouTube video. Fuck man. Um, oh my God, that's uh, it, horrifying. that's it's absolutely horrifying. but uh, okay, so wait dude. I got a question for for both of you guys though, oh shit. okay, so
1: you so you guys both recently moved, right? Yeah, and Roy, you're I think you're still in the process of moving or you're done.
2: Yeah, I'm still in the process, yeah, okay.
1: How has that been for you guys with your animals?
0: Oh, I could say from this move it hasn't had it, it's the animals have stayed in place, so I've the The last time I moved the animals was three years ago when I moved them out of my family's home into the facility that I'm in now. And um, I'm dreading the day when I ever have to move them again. So I can't can't speak to that. That was one of the most awful experiences of my life. It was terrible, but (laughs)
2: yeah. Honestly, this one has gone really well, I think. I mean, it's always moving. It's stressful, you know, in so many ways. I'm sure it was stressful for the animals. Um the worst part about it was um the the spilotes, the sulfurius, the big puffing snakes. Um, it took about two and a half days to get their vivarium taken down and then put back up, which is like that was moving at warp speed pretty much, considering what that involves with that vivarium. Um, so they were in tubs for for um two and a half days but the females both laid subsequent to that they were already gravid when that was happening nice. um and it went well um i think the really big the big thing I'm, I'm interested to see though is if the is if the polychrist go this year or not if they um if they if they breed because um you know i had two years in a row with them no problems and um I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious if the disruption of being moved this year will throw them off, and maybe they won't they won't go. But honestly, if that was the case, I would be fine with that. You know, give the give the females a year off, and and um, I've got plenty on my plate as it is. But I think that it's been remarkably. Um, Gentle, because I, you know, I hear I hear horror stories about people moving, and then it just like it's like wiping the slate, you know, and like I've been really lucky. I mean, my yeah. tricolor hogs have continued laying eggs every five weeks, like they do. Which those things will do that. That's awesome on the surface of Mars, probably. But um <laughs> <laughs> on <laughs> a side note, that's a, that's
1: another uh, that's another snake species that I would actually eat. The they're really cool. I think I that I hate snakes, but no, I love snakes, and I would keep that species. They're really cool. Now I will um, say that me moving was one of the worst experiences I had as far as a reptile keeper, um, because not only am I moving my animals, but I'm also moving a family yeah. that aren't animal people. I mean, they're animal people, but they're not like in this industry. They're not in this world that I'm in. Um, yeah. So man, I, and I do things outside too. So that was another thing that was, you know, that sucked for me. Um, but it took until almost two years later for me to actually rebound successfully. I've had the best, this year has been like my best breeding year I've ever had as far as like production and, and uh, the quality that I'm producing and the awesome. variety that I'm producing. But, um, when I first moved here, I had, a. Uh, I had no predators in my first house. Zero. Um, This one, I had like a pond behind my house with a little forest. And then the neighbors were feeding wild cats, feral cats. So the first night, uh, you know, putting, testing things, keeping things outside. I got ransacked by
3: raccoons. It
1: was bad. Um, In fact, my entire conehead collection was dwindled to just one animal. Um, and that's an animal that I was breeding successfully every year for, since 2016, oh, I moved here in 20, 2020 and currently I only have just one pair. Um, and uh, actually I only had one animal. I had to loan a, a male from Ron and Heather, um, to hopefully rebound from that. But yeah, raccoon just ripped open everything, took them all out, destroyed oh. everything, um, my tortoises were like, where the hell are we? It took them like it took them a good year and a half to actually relax, yeah, and right. and finally lay eggs. I mean, for for almost six months straight, they just walked the perimeter of their enclosure, and their enclosure was like four times bigger. Like, and they were just mm-hmm. out of their zone. Everything everything was upgraded because I obviously I'm a much larger property, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the tortoises didn't rebound. They took them forever uh again the aldabra was grumpy no matter what i did so he was okay uh cone heads uh, and, and another thing i and they were all everything was gravity. too so ah. in the middle of that move everything was gravity. now keep in mind i'm focusing on moving a family a baby like all of that plus animals so i did it the wrong way i should have did a game plan i didn't plan anything at all mm-hmm. um and one of the cool things not really cool things but um actually a tragic thing, but I had a female cone head. She was gravid and that whole process, she retained her eggs. She Mm -hmm. was an egg bound. She ended Uh up, she looked terrible. She looked absolutely terrible. And um, I set up an appointment at a vet to, to basically, you know, see what's going on. Can we extract these eggs from her? Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: literally as soon as I made that appointment, she had passed away, like right there. And then she Uh passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, Though I think it was like the next day she passed away. And um, you know, I acted quick. I, I, I'm pretty sure i told the story before. I acted mm-hmm. super quick. I found, and again, this is while we're unpacking to the new house. So, like mm-hmm. all my tools, everything that I use as far as like sterilization, mm-hmm. couldn't find it. I used a regular kitchen knife. I opened this animal up. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Pulled the eggs out, and uh, wow. they actually actually um, survived. This was like That's day. So this was like day two of moving into this house um yes. so this is before raccoons I, this is before i knew i had an enemy um so so in my head i'm like okay i still have more like i have a huge group of these guys like i it, it sucks but you know i will rebound as far as this project as far as the species go so uh she laid like seven eggs four molded out right away but the three of them actually successfully hatched wow oh, wow And my dumbass, I sold them all. All them right away. Oh. I sold them like immediately. But I because I didn't know what my the other tragedy was gonna happen. Um so yeah, that that was terrible. And then also like figuring out how this place works, like the sun and like where what direction the sun's at and all of that was everything was just different. It it was terrible.
0: But isn't outdoor keeping it's just easier, right? Outdoor keeping (laughs) so easy, Eddie. Every you know,
1: everyone says that you don't even have to do it, anything it, it yeah. frustrates me so much yeah i yeah. mean outdoor keeping i would say is is harder because here's the, here's how you got to look at it my indoor stuff everything that i have in my in my reptile building that's the easy stuff you know why because i control where the sun is the light yep. i control the, the watering i control everything about their their setup their environment mm-hmm. down to the little detail outside i have no control the, of the sun, I have no control of the temperatures. I have no control of the of the overall elements, and predators. I have no control yeah. of any of this stuff. Yeah, so
0: resistance fighters.
1: Yeah, just because you know, just because climates are similar for a species, and they're in Florida, and you breed them, doesn't mean like, oh, you didn't do anything. No, I break my back making sure these yeah. things are living a good life, getting everything they need, and can successfully breed. I yeah. hear a lot of other people um, making fun of, oh, you successfully bred it outside. You didn't do anything. No, 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 no. You, you should see the work that not only me, but everyone else who keeps outdoor it's animals. Really there's only one animal that I breed that literally there's no effort to. And that's the the Australian water dragon. <laughs> that's the only animal that there's zero effort into. But every other animal is literally, it's it's figuring out, figuring out how they like it in that particular spot. Of my yard, right? Uh, mm. And again, a lot of people don't realize that,
2: so
0: yeah. It, sorry, Roy, did you? I thought you were no, go ahead. Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I feel like I've actually made that mistake in my past. I remember a time when I remember kind of making a comment or thinking something along those lines, and it wasn't until uh, I visited a couple of places where guys were doing stuff outside, and I was like, oh. shit." Like this is a nightmare. Like I have it so easier, you know? Like I mm-hmm. I you know, just the um like I thought of, I've thought a couple times about moving to a climate more amicable to Euros and then just doing them outside. And really at the end of the day, okay, I'll save money, right? Because I'm not mm-hmm. amping up heat lights all day, but fuck man, from natural weather or from weather and natural disaster stuff, predators, ants, parasites, I mean. Just fuck that. Just mm-hmm. screw it. Yeah. Like I, I there's, I'm a coward. I don't want to do it. I don't even want to bother. I, I yeah. uh, and
1: there's a and there's a few species here that I have that are more arid. Yeah. So mani- manipulating them to to completely cycle the year and, and sexually successfully produce. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a challenge getting that environment set up for them, like lucertos and, and the right. dragons. You know, you're you're taking the animal that's more of a, again and more of an arid animal.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: not necessarily desert but you know more of an arid climate and you're manipulating their environment to you know make everything suitable for that species um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't see that they just think you just throw it outside
0: and you're done yeah so what yeah, are some of, what are the, what are, simple sorry sorry Roy my bad um so what are some of the things that you have to do to like if you're if you're trying to take something that's slightly more arid climate dwelling, and keep it outdoors in Florida. What are some of the mitigating strategies you have to... So,
1: so I'll give you a perfect example. So like the jewel lacertus or any lacertus species, um, years ago, like 10 plus years ago, uh, I had lacertus back when they were like really common. Um, I tried to put them outside. And the particular property I was living at at the time was, um, was more of like it's a homeowners association. So all the houses are really close by. So the humidity was higher in that environment and um i was getting um like they were getting these sores these uh-huh. respiratory sores all over them and once they get just one they're pretty much just done um Ooh. so i and again i was like in my early 20s at the, at the time um so now visiting a few um facilities and in looking at places like like ron's place and seeing how they're doing it with like the dragons and some other stuff so with a lot of that more drier climate species um, every cage is lifted um, Because where I live, it's still kind of, it's still a little bit saturated as far as like rain um, and and just overall water. So everything's lifted about eight inches to a foot, depending on the species and depending on where they are in my yard, because there's different little microclimates in my yard. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the of sodas are about maybe a foot off of the ground. Um, It can rain and if water does go in it, it completely drains out. There's mm-hmm. no thick substrate that they can get into that will saturate. it's it's sand and rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so water can go in there, but it completely dries out super quick. and then there's an area where it's bone dry, like completely bone dry from them. There's no light, there's no uh, rain can't get into it, so they can always hide in there. And I also um, again, visiting other places, I use a lot of the um uh, the uh, greenhouse heavy duty plastic. I'll use that as well, Um, but also keep it ventilated. So it's not getting stagnant in in the actual environment. Um, So simple things like that um, to help manipulate it, it works, but not everyone can do it. Because again, I tell people all the time, like Ron and Heather live 20 minutes away from me, but I can't do the things that they do. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, it will storm in my yard. And I'll call Heather and it's bone dry over there. Like yeah. they live in much it's it's strange. It, it, people think Florida's like one giant subtle temperature. Oh. It's not. It's 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 different. So um I can't do everything that they do. And if I do, I have to manipulate it differently. Um so yeah, everything's lifted, water can completely drain out. I have the um what is it called? The it's the the thick, like the hard plastic, not the sheet, but the Oh crap. What's it called? carbonated, um, greenhouse plastic.
3: Oh, I know what but, you're talking about. Yeah. yeah but it's still,
1: but I can still on the side, everything is ventilated,
3: mm. but on
1: top water can't get into it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so far I've successfully bred the, the Lacerda. This was my first year doing the Lacerda's outside for over a year and they completely cycled. I didn't do, you know, when, when it was time for vermation they were, they were set, they were good. Um, if it rains too much, they're usually at the very end of their setup where it's bone dry. Mm. Um, so it's little things like that where you have to like figure it out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there there may be some trial and error, mm-hmm. uh, but so far, so good. I'm doing the, the Rankin's Dragons outside in a similar situation. Um, and uh, I think I'm doing good because they won't stop laying eggs.
3: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like,
1: I'm like, stop laying eggs for me. and They just keep going.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. Uh, but again,
1: uh, uh, every every yard is different. Every property is different. Uh, I can't do the same thing that other people, like my neighbor three doors down can't do the same stuff that I'm doing. Right. Or the same way that, he can't do it the same way that I'm doing it, I should say.
0: Uh, weren't you, it was you, right? Who, didn't you use a tackle box for those Lucertas to nest in? Is that you? That yeah. Was, that's a brilliant idea. That was yeah. yeah. That, that, that dimension of a lot of tackle boxes is like perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking for more of those. And that was all coincidence. So I built their enclosure. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm looking at the female and I'm like looking at her and I'm like, okay, I'm, I visually see him breed her and I'm like, all right, I didn't think this was going to happen that fast. Yeah. All right. I mean, they have substrate, but I make it where it's less than an inch. So that way they don't, they know not to dig. Cause I want every animal, again, I'm a breeder. So I don't do things. I do things a lot differently than other people. So I need to find eggs. I don't let things just lay where they want to lay. I need them to lay where I can find them right away so I can get the eggs and then I can move on. Cause I am a very busy guy with a lot of animals to take care of. Right. So I had this, this toolbox. It, It didn't even belong to me. I borrowed it from my uncle. <laughs> and um I had because again, I just moved into this place. So I had this toolbox and I'm like, you know what? And in my head, I'm like, this would be kind of perfect. Let me mess with this. So I, I cut the hole in the middle. I filled it with substrate up to the brim, uh, up to the brim of the first level. And um, you know, they went into it right away. It worked out. It fit perfectly. Like it, it looked like I built it for it. And uh, you know, all I gotta do is just lift open the lid and yeah. just collect eggs. Right. And they, they recognize it. They use it right away. Um, it was literally something that I just saw and just did right away. Wow. And now I'm looking. And, and the thing, the tackle, the, the toolbox was like 30 plus years. And um, I can't find it. <laughs> so I'm looking for the same one. Uh, but yeah, no, no. no but yeah, it was all coincidence.
0: That's awesome. That's way too cool. And um. both
1: the male and females, they'll they'll use it. They'll They'll just burrow into it when they want to because I do provide them like it, it is humid for the eggs. Um, mm-hmm. so just because they're arid, you know, doesn't mean they're just dry 24 seven. So both male and female will go in there just to get some moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, And again, I, I spray when necessary, but
0: sure. That's excellent. Um, so, uh, R- Roy, I want to, I've just been, again, I know I've been monop- per usual, just kind of monopolizing the questions and the conversation. So I want to, give you some time to get get in some stuff before I answer or before I ask a few, uh, that I still have kind of in the can.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's go Roy. <laughs> um, let's see. What do I want to lay on you right now? idiot. Um, <laughs> um, well now I'm, now I'm all, all I'm thinking about is just outdoor keeping stuff, but, um, cool too. Yeah. I feel like, um, I think that let's 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 actually pivot. Let's let's go with let's go with the new questions and okay I'll I'll, I'll,
0: I'll tag in from there. But okay. okay. Sounds good. That sounds good. Um so I have two two questions that are related to one another. Um so who are some of the folks inside her pediculture that you were either inspired or motivated or influenced by the most? Um and then who are are there or is there anybody that you pay attention to outside of her pediculture? that gives you motivation, whether it's motivation to do more work or whether it's, it, you know, maybe it's some koi farmer somewhere who just, you know, who like just crushes it with something Is that could be applicable as well. Okay, so it's actually an easy question for me. So first person right off the bat
1: is a ball python breeder, uh, okay. old school ball python breeder. His name is uh, Ralph Davis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he was the first person that I saw, he was the first person to open my eyes that this was an actual industry Mm -hmm. and that you can actually make a living doing this.
3: Yeah,
1: Um, And that all happened because I had a ball python and someone else gave me another ball python and they bred and I was like, okay, what next? So (laughs) I researched and I found this weird world of, of, I just thought I was a strange guy that did this. I didn't know that other people did this.
3: Yeah, which is funny because I
1: didn't know where all these animals came from. I should have, you know, should have known better, but, um, but seeing how successful he was as a breeder, I was like, he, he's doing what he loves and he's actually making a living. I'm not saying he's a millionaire or anything. He's making a living for himself. Sure. Uh, so I, I basically took that to what I liked as far as like different species. Cause I didn't want to breed the ball pythons. Uh, but um, yeah, so he was number one. And then, Number two has to be Ron. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just seeing the things that he comes up with in his head, again, manipulating his enclosures for the particular animal. And that inspires me. So if you look at my collection, it's like a mini version of like how he has everything set up Mm -hmm. or like how it's suited to fit my needs. So he's talking to me, but I'm like looking at everything he's doing and every little detail I'm watching and why why he's doing it. and I take it home and I do the same thing. Again, I fit it fits my needs. Um, so he was one of the first people that I looked at as far as taking an animal that Florida's out of its element, but he's making it successful outdoors in Florida. so uh, that was you know, obviously the second one. And then you know he became actually one of my closest friends I have in this industry, so mm-hmm. that was cool what was the what was the other part of the
3: question?
0: the, the second part was about um people who are outside of herpeticulture that either motivate or inspire you with could it could even just be like you know you just like watching this dude's workout videos you get jacked for the day that's fine too but I you know anything really
1: yeah so I'm probably stealing this again from Ron but I I believe this probably way before I even knew Ron. Um the tropical fish world yeah watching (laughs) watching the breeders because I I I used to breed fish too um seeing their setups and how more defined and refined they are mm-hmm. and, uh, and how clean and, and, and just the different overall processes of what they do that inspired me so yeah they can make it look like a breeding operation but at the same time they can also make it look uh, visually satisfying oh, yeah. I, I really enjoy that yeah. um, a lot of the a lot of the fish breeders in asia those guys are just doing crazy stuff. Um, whether it's, whether it's like different species of like cichlids or angelfish or even like, um, like the ray, the freshwater rays. Yes. Uh, I, I look at that and my fish days are way gone. Like I, I have no desire. I mean, I would one day, but as currently I have no desire to do any of that stuff, but, um, that industry I look at and I'm like, okay, these guys are really, they, they're way light years ahead of us
0: yeah uh, yeah so with with that uh f- question kind of framing the 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 next question um and it's also kind of a two-part question but are, are there any uh like blind spots that you think herpeticulture has broadly or or maybe a lot of people in per- her pediculture might have and then sort of the follow-up or the intertwined in that is are, are there any like gripes or um what would be some of like the the, the top criticisms you have of her pediculture broadly.
1: So I'll answer the second part first. So the, the gripes I have, and, and I have to fault myself that sometimes I do it, is the gatekeeping. I. Um, and again, I am guilty of this as well, because sometimes people ask me questions and I'm like, I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: I have no clue. Um, and, What's and, a know, lizard? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, they just I just throw them outside and they make babies. But uh, yeah, that's that's one. Because when I was when I was younger, um, back when the internet was still somewhat new in people's households, I would go on like the forums. Mm -hmm. Back in the dial-up days, I would go on forums and I would ask questions as a kid, and I would get destroyed by obviously like older people, like just telling me basically telling me to fuck off, and then my whatever I was doing would crash. So, and if you look at other other industries, again, the fish world, they're way open about it. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They may be quiet about a project they're doing, but the overall care of a species, they're an open book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with us, we're a little bit more quiet. Again, there's a lot of species that I know that people have worked with that I'm currently working with that won't talk to me on how to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crazy. That kind of sucks. But again, I can't say anything because I've done it in the past. I did it like yesterday. Um, But uh, what was the, was the first part again?
0: Blind spots.
1: Like what we're lacking or what we're not
0: seeing. Yeah. Like maybe in our industry. Yeah. Maybe. um, I mean, I know it's like, maybe there's a lot of meat to that question, but I, you know, sometimes I just wonder about it. You know, there's all these, we all, you you, you know, you, you, you can't create art in a vacuum. And, um, Mm -hmm. something I've said a few times is that like her pediculture is, is is, is, at least I think is a fairly artistic pursuit. There's a lot of art and creativity involved in doing what we do. And I feel like all of us take those of us who are really doing this at a, um, at a certain level where we take it super seriously and we're hyper dedicated and whatever. I feel like all of, all of those folks are, are paying attention outside, like you said, to the freshwater fish to freshwater rays to um, you know uh, like I think of Jordan Russell and how he's involved in aviculture with all the different birds mm-hmm. that he's doing and, and really I, th- I hope that's the right term but I think it's aviculture mm-hmm. but you know I've the- heard
1: his name in forever holy crap
0: yeah yeah and, and there's it's just a lot of you know there's a lot of people who some of the people who seem to be on the more cutting edge you say mm-hmm. seem like they're paying attention to a lot of different industries not just for And, you know, I wonder about it because, you know, I mean, I feel like there's, that's one of the things we want to do with the show is we want to have, mm-hmm. right now we're focusing on getting a lot of herpers on the show to build up kind of a, a library, but, you know, we want to speak with, with, with aquaculturists. We want to speak with uh, people who are raising insects for the pet trade and fishing. We want to speak with I would love to get man. There's a lot of guys like, you know, I haven't said this anywhere specifically, but I I would love to talk with Thomas Price. He's involved in her. He's obviously in her pediculture, but I'd love to mm. have a conversation with that guy and find out what's going on in his mind and um, just other, you know, and I don't know. I'm just curious if there's anything that stands out to you that's like, you know, fish keepers think about this. I don't know any Herbers that think about this at all or think about this type of thing or, you know, maybe again, maybe it's a little meaty and needs a little more forethought uh, instead of just some spontaneous question that I throw at you, but just in case. <laughs> as far as a blind spot and, and
1: what you were saying, I think a lot of reptiles or a lot of people in our industry that are working with the reptiles, they do one thing and it works and that's it. They're sufficient and they'll do it for like their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, not realizing what that animal actually wants. So reptile for the most part, is not really an emotional animal. It's not letting you know, Hey, I don't like this. I don't want this. I like this." They're not doing that. So you have to like sit there and watch it. And a lot mm-hmm. of these animals, they, um, they'll, they'll thrive in these conditions mm-hmm. their whole lives. And you wouldn't know, but then you put them in a different situation and you're seeing all these different experiences. You're seeing uh, different cues and reactions. And I, I, that I think about all the time. I, mm-hmm. I actually, I remember, um, again, moving here and watching my yard. I always thought like the green anoles were one way. And now I watch the cycle of how they live in my yard. So I have a cherry tree. This is probably a complete crazy tangent, but so I have a cherry tree. Go on. And um, it's just this weird cycle in my, in my yard. So I have a cherry tree. The birds come to the cherry tree, they stick their beak in the cherry, make a little hole. They take what they need from the tree, from the cherry, and then they fly away. Then the anoles come later and they stick their nose in the hole that the bird made. And they lap up what they want from the cherry, right. which is, and it's crazy. And I never would have thought they would have done this. And then the, so the green anoles are in the tree. The brown anoles are on the bottom on the floor, eating what's on the floor of the cherry tree
3: yeah.
1: and it like messes me up. Cause for years I always thought like this animal loves insects and that's all they eat mm-hmm. and not knowing that these things go ape shit for f- fruit.
3: Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm literally also, witnessing can't this in my it yard. Without the birds. So in my yard, they can't access it without the birds or without it rotting out. Mm-hmm. So the, so the brown anoles are actually eating what's rotten out on the floor. And and if you walk by my cherry tree, the brown anoles run away from the base of the tree. When you actually go up front, the green anoles, they have like a different movement. So they'll actually kind of stay still. And then you actually have to focus on them. But their face is like covered in red
3: Hmm.
1: and they're, and they're waiting for the birds to like finish. And then they'll go up to like the ripe cherry. And that messes me up. And I'm like, I had no clue. I mean, for years, I've seen like other breeders give their anoles Mm -hmm. uh, fruit, but I'm visually watching it technically in the wild in my mm-hmm. yard. So I get everything cherry and I see how they're interacting with it. So um, I, I breed the Alice and I anole, which is a very similar looking anole to mm-hmm. like the green anole.
3: beautiful. And
1: um, I, oh, yeah, I take amazing. the cherry, I put a full cherry in there and they will not mess with it. They'll lick it, but they can't do anything to it. They, they, they can't get any substance from it and they'll wait for it to start to rot. And then you start seeing them kind of like shove their face into it.
3: Ah. So then
1: I take it and I squeeze it. And I put it in there, and then they and now they're they're a little bit more tame around me. So now they come in front of me and they come out and they'll actually like take pieces of it and just mm-hmm. rip it, shred it. They'll do little gator rolls and just rip pieces off of it. <laughs> that and cool. Again, I'm I'm visually seeing this in my yard with the wild stuff. Now I see it, and now I give everything cherries. So like the anoles are eating the cherries, the water dragons. I give them cherries. They disappear, but I've never seen them actually eat it. So who knows? Um, so. I don't know if that goes with enrichment or however you want to classify that, but it's just interesting to see the excitement of certain animals to, to
3: different foods. Yeah. Um, and
1: again, had I not seen that from my own eyes, I would have given all my animals, all the annals, just crickets, uh, you know, discoids, and the. End. Now I they have much of a varied diet. Um, and again, I saw like I said, I saw Ron do it, but I'm seeing it in my yard. I'm watching the excitement of these lizards literally 10 minutes after the birds fly away. They, they come and they're, they're doing that. And of course they can, they can live their whole life without ever doing that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just, just going outside the box and doing that. Like how many, I got so many messages today when I posted that video, I didn't know they could do that. I didn't know either.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's funny, uh, because you mentioned the gatekeeping, and that's something that I see in I've seen in jujitsu gyms. You know, Mm -hmm. like like if you think about it, um, and I'll tie this back to reptiles a little if I can. But you know, if you think about it, if you wanted to start a martial art like jujitsu, it takes some fucking cojones, man, to like find a gym, go into a gym with all these alpha broed out dudes and say i'm going to wrestle with you guys and be able to stick past that and like get through how uncomfortable it is and how weird it is and how different it is and like everyone in the in the gym knows each other and they don't know you and you know they may or may not include you and you know there's all these barriers that are just naturally present because of what it takes to get there in the first place and some of the most mm-hmm. successful gyms i've seen and been a part of have made strong efforts to break those barriers down. Because if, you know, you mentioned getting picked on a little bit in the forums when you would post a question, I had that experience over and over again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you post in somewhere, just a harmless, innocuous question. And someone will get on the question you asked and just slam you for it and be like, you fucking idiot. How could you not have done any research to like Mm -hmm. pay attention? I'm like, bro, I'm trying to do that right now. You know, and yeah. making me feel like an asshole for it, and and how many people, you know, could have endured a little more and maybe could have been a big part of our industry who flaked out because enough people were assholes to them. Not everyone is as hard headed as me or you or whatever. Who is like, no, I'm going to do this even if you make fun of me for it. Like I don't care. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And that that's not everybody. That's not for everyone. And maybe in order to get someone with enough resilience to continue participating. You know, maybe on day five in herpeticulture, it would have been enough to make them quit if someone hammered them on a forum. But on day 500, they'd have been like, who's this asshole? And would have kept going. You know, like yeah. it, you, um, Roy and I have mentioned this before on the show. There, there's no, there's no like education method if you want to become a herpeticulturist or something. There's no, you know, you can't pick up a book on, well, I mean, obviously you can pick up lots of books on herpeticulture, but I just mean there's not, there's not like an introduction book that just says, "Here's what this is. Here's what it's about. Yeah. Here's, here's some of the history. Here's some people you should know. Here's some basics of keeping animals to consider." You know, I mean, I, or at least if there's a book out there, I, I'm just not aware of it. You know, yeah. um, and I, I, f- I feel like that's a that's a really good one. I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have come to that uh, had someone thrown me the same question. I really like that answer uh, quite a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good one.
2: I mean, it's it Very
1: and it's, it's easier now for someone because now they yeah. have Google. Yeah, I sure. had a li- I had a library that said iguanas, and then the cover had a bearded dragon on it. So
3: you know, <laughs> sure. yeah, totally, Yeah, totally. sure.
1: uh, the internet. I mean, like I said, the internet came out when I was like in middle school. Like, it, as far as it being a normal household thing, I was in middle school. so yeah. And then it took forever to load a page, so like you weren't getting anything at all. Yeah. So yeah. I had no access to anything. So it was uh, trial and error, a lot for me, but people now kind of have no excuse to have some sort of information.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, I can't imagine like the trade secret thing, you know, yeah. I mean, look for the most part, other than a couple of projects that I'm working on here with the euros that I'm just keeping to myself, for the time being, because I'm, you know, or, or, or maybe it's something that I'm like brainstorming, right. Like a new, Mm -hmm. new feeding regimen or a new, um, you know, like, like Eric was talking about uh, Connor made that great meme of, of the, him putting fake (laughs) birds in the cage and making them spin around to scare the (laughs) shit out of his animals to get kind of stressed because they're paying attention. They're so vigilant in the wild. Yeah. Maybe it's a little, it's it's interesting. It, it's a it's a it's an outside the box thinking. But maybe experimental stuff. I'm maybe I'm not out there mm. shouting from the rooftops. But I I don't understand. I can't imagine trying to keep any of this secret or or there's mm-hmm. not there's no I don't have some gem of info. If anything, it's the opposite. Like the thing that I think everybody needs to do with Euros, Euros, is just keep them damn solo, just house them alone, and everyone will do just fine. And people just ignore it. I mean, some people are doing better and housing stuff solo and getting a little more success, but it, it's taken a decade of me saying, keep your Euros by themselves. And then now people are starting to get at it and be like, okay, well, maybe I'll just do that because it's working better. But I it's, can't. It's balance. funny that you say that
1: because I would have never, like, I never figured that ever. Obviously, I don't keep that species, but. The amount of people I see that do the opposite of what you're doing, what you're saying is, is staggering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when I,
1: and when you, and when you tell them, they always say the same thing. Oh, but they love each other. They like each other.
0: Right. Well, and there's, and there's great examples of people like my good buddy, Camille hammers over in the Netherlands. He's a great friend of mine, Uh, really wonderful dude. And he doesn't do it that way. He keeps, he houses animals in pairs and, and, now granted he I know for a fact that he does stuff like splitting he has open cages just year round just to split animals off when they need it because sometimes they bicker. And and mm-hmm. if anything I I love that idea. I'd love to be able to give my animals a little more interaction than surface level stuff a little you know and I try to put them together throughout the year so that way they're not um you know, just totally bored, you know, isolation type Mm -hmm. stuff, but, you know, I'll put them together and let them interact, but they always fight. They always bicker, you know, that kind of thing. But you know, so Cam does that too. And he, but he's having great success. He, he has consistent breeding. They breed every, you know, he's got, he's hatching euros every year. He does an awesome job, but I just meet, you know, but he has 20 years experience keeping and breeding Euromastics specifically. And you know, like the stuff that you need to look for when they're really being piss pissy with each other is is lost on so many beginning and moderately experienced keepers. And so, yes, you're right. A lot of people just say, "Well, I've they I've housed them together for years, and it's not a problem." It's like I'm not telling you that it's going to be a problem tomorrow, which it might be. Like I've had euros kill other euros just. Mm-hmm. You know, just literally just mutilate them to death. And it's like, okay, I don't want that. But most of the stuff that I'm talking about is the kind of thing, like if you want a healthy animal that breeds for you as consistently as possible and lives to its fullest potential in captivity, you got to keep it by itself most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm at the point now where I kind of feel like for years, I was kind of caveating that with like, look, there's lots of ways to do it. And there's other guys who are successful doing it differently than me. And I still think that's true, but I'm, I'm now I've changed my tune. And I've said, now I just say, no, euros are best alone, period. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to give me another example of why they're not best alone, because I don't see that. And I'm more immersed mm-hmm. than you are. And so unless you show me some data that says, here's why, you know, solo housing is not good. Well, then I'm just going to, I'm not, not going to hear it, you know? Um, but as uh, a bit of a tangent myself, but uh, you know, the trade secret thing just trips me out. I, I, I know I've heard stories of it from so many people in in, in her pediculture, How, oh well, it's this one thing. You know, there's all there's all these. Th- if you just do it this way, or it's with one particular keeping method. And I'm like, man, how are you going to keep that a secret? It's not like the animal, or how to care for that animal, or where they come from. None of that's an absolute secret. Eventually. Somebody's going to figure out if, if you're not telling anybody, someone else out there is going to figure it out and tell everybody. And yeah. I, if we want more people keeping any given species, I'm going to give you every bit of information I can possibly think of. Yeah. I'm not keeping shit secret at all. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, I feel really no, and-
2: about that. And I think that also it's like, like, what is the benefit to the animals? of keeping trade secrets. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. There's none. Yeah. Like basically it's, it's people protecting like their quote unquote bottom line, you know, in this kind of scarcity mindset about things, knowing that other people are going to like have to learn the hard way and, and fail. And like that, that's ultimately going to mean animals are suffering Mm -hmm. and possibly dying in some cases. And like, for me, I'm just like, no, that's not worth it. It's, it's not worth it. And also, like, um, there's plenty of like if you're if you're working with a species, um, and there's demand, like, there's demand. It's gonna be all right, (laughs) you know. Like, like, chances are you can give people, you can give someone else your recipe, and they're still not gonna totally. They might might not still have the same amount of success, but maybe they'll keep their animals alive, you know, or maybe the animals won't won't suffer as much for it. And yeah, I feel like. You know, a lot of I've been really lucky in that, like, I've been able to reach out to guys like you two and Ron and be like, how do you do this stuff? Like when I first got the polychrist, I reached out to Ron and was like, listen, I've been keeping snakes. I haven't kept a lizard in a decade. Mm -hmm. What's your protocol just for lizards just generally, you know, like you give me like a paragraph and he wrote back and was like, this is what we do generally and i was like thank you It's all i need you know and and wow. um like it's it's that, like the, the whole community is is stronger for that too you know it, it like not not to even speak of like what it is for the animals and the ways in which they benefit but i think also like you know we all benefit from that as well and, mm-hmm. and having relationships having like um kind of creating a culture of like mentorship within the hobby i think that that's such an important thing Um, bringing up the next generation so they're not just like repeating the same errors and errors over and over again there's so many errors new um, you know beginner mistakes that happen constantly with reptiles that just they don't have to happen at this point
0: yeah yeah couldn't agree
2: i
3: agree
0: um well so uh we there there we covered so much great ground man and i really uh This is awesome. This has been a really good conversation. We have, um, we have a, a kind of closing question that we ask each guest, um, and, uh, you know, kind of take it as broadly or specifically as, as you, as you wish. Um, but the question is why herpetoculture? Like, like, what are your justifications or your rationales for why, we do what we do why you do what you do um and again that can be everything from because i fucking can get off my back to well it's actually it's very healthy for the microbiome you know i don't know anything yeah
1: (laughs) so i probably have like a terrible answer for this it's uh first off i had no idea this was a thing that you could actually do yeah i just thought i was that Weird kid that did it by myself, I had no clue this was a thing yeah. until I got a little older. Um, second, it's more of like a god complex like <laughs> this is the part this is where I say it's going to sound terrible. So I enjoy setting up an environment, a yeah. little ecosystem for a species and just watching that species do what it needs to do with the things that I've um uh, secured for it yeah and then and then adjusting it accordingly and i can sit down i'm one of those weird people that can just sit down for hours just watch a lizard do nothing and then if it yawns or if it turns its head or laps up water i'm like what the fuck like that's amazing (laughs) Um, and it all started like like when i was a kid with fish like watching this ecosystem of, of different species living together interacting with each other and and I would just sit there for hours, and everyone thought I was just weird. And um, like I, I would sit and just watch my tortoises for hours, just doing nothing. Yeah. And and like I said, it would twitch its head or it would yawn, and that would be like the highlight of my day. So yeah, a little ego trip, but a kind of a little god complex.
0: <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's funny. The, the god complex is an interesting choice of words because I, I relate to that. Also, I think, I think all of us who do this relate, there's really is something satisfying and rewarding and engaging about the practice itself, seeing small changes, make big differences, seeing something that, you know, some, some, there's an element of control, you know, in some way, like, yeah, maybe control. Yeah. So control, basically, like, there's something about, I don't really have much control over much of the rest of my life, I mean, I have some level of agency and and whatever, but yeah. here, this is, it's that's my this is my domain for the most part. I mean, and, and again, I don't control everything here. Some of it's totally outside of my control, but for for what's within it, it's really, uh, it's really, really, re- really rewarding.
1: At my the outdoor area of my property, I really wanted to make it look like a place that I can just come and enjoy. And people who can just see what I'm doing, it it looks satisfying for people who aren't even into reptiles. Yeah. So I'm slowly, I'm slowly trying to make it kind of like a, like a menagerie, I guess.
3: Yeah. But
1: at the same time, you know, adequate for these animals to, to successfully breed and just do everything they need to do. And then same thing with my indoor stuff. I eventually I want to make that look very appealing
3: mm-hmm.
1: as well. Um, so hopefully soon I can make that happen for myself. So we'll see but yeah it sounds absolutely terrible but god complex
0: i don't think it's Oh
2: man, i think it's <laughs> i think that i mean i think i spoke to that a little bit in the in our first episode just talking about like that like i think it's that human impulse toward the, the adaptive management i think is what i what i was calling it but yeah. i think that that's just like part of how we tick you know part of what makes us human is uh, messing with the knobs and dials and and seeing what what works and what doesn't and it's i can't really think of anything more gratifying than that and in terms of like a process to be engaged in Mm -hmm. and definitely relate to like the yeah the just sitting there watching a lizard for (laughs) doing its thing for forever and being totally at peace and enjoyment you know that that's um yeah that's like yeah
1: like for instance like when you set that camera up to watch the polycurus finally eat the, the fruit, you posted yeah, that video. I mean. Like, I can't imagine like how cool that would have been to like sit there and actually finally see it, do it. You know,
3: oh, so <laughs> that
1: would, yeah, that would freaking blow my mind. Like Obviously see you, you see fruit. Yeah. You see the fruit missing, but to visually actually sit there and actually see it happen. That's, that's a whole different experience.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. that took a while. Yes, <laughs> I <cool>. bet. <laughs> really brilliant all right well hey uh I think that's that's probably the good time to close close the conversation uh Eddie thank you again man thank you so much yeah, I know man. that you know two and a half hours is not a small chunk of time for you and I we really really appreciate it um has
1: it has it been that long
0: yeah 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 wow. yeah two and a half now and uh I'm hoping uh hopefully we can have you on again uh in the future yeah. for any any reason we're we're gonna we're, we're hoping that um not only because there's certain folks who we know have a lot to say and, and you know, all of that, but also there might be stuff that we've forgot or, you know, maybe didn't in, like with Troy, we had Troy on, we didn't, we didn't uh Troy Baum, Baumgartner from the uh, Denver zoo. And we didn't even ask him about the, uh, the Fiji or the Komodos. We we barely got into any of that and we could have. And so it's like, all right, well, we gotta just, we gotta have you on again. So hopefully yeah. we uh, we can have you on. Uh, that's, that's
1: probably the same for everybody. I mean, there's so much that I do here that oh, I, yeah. that, Probably forgot to mention species that nobody even knows I have. I just forgot.
2: Totally, totally. yeah. Holding out on us, Eddie. Got to really extract that good stuff. And I've been there. known
1: to like not be that social, so like you know, not on purpose, but you know.
0: I know when I we tried, were doing like, that. when we were I doing that show, Paul and Ron, you were like the you were like the Roy of of that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah,
1: I, I, yeah. I talk more than Roy today. I just yeah, did, 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 yeah,
0: way Wait, yeah
1: the whiskey a little quiet today no 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 but i i i'm talking more i have to
0: it's great yeah Yeah, well gotta i gotta keep my image up we we like (laughs) it (laughs) we like it when you talk man you got a lot of good stuff to say um i'm gonna stop the recording real quick Yep.